I like being lonely. I'm a boss. Tell them not today. Swerving on these chickens, cluck out my lane. I'm a boss. All right, it's Maria with Successfully Chaotic here, and today I've got my best gal, Sharon, aka the Google Gal. Sharon, say hey to everybody. Hello, everybody out there. It's been a while since we sat down to talk, um, well, as far as the podcast goes, we pretty much talk on a daily basis, <laughs> but it's been a while since we decided to you know, sit down for a podcast. We've been talking about doing it for a while because, well, obviously we both talk a lot. We've got so much to say and so much to teach. You know, um, you can learn from our successes. You can also learn from our failures. <laughs> so we have a lot to really share with you. And we have some um, big plans coming up in the future, but we can't really say much about that right now. But um, today, what we wanted to discuss was um, something that I think most, if not all of us struggle with, especially as women, is self-doubt. So self-doubt is, it can be categorized in many areas, but it's pretty much those little voices in your head that say, well, you can't do that because, well, you shouldn't do that. You, you're not qualified enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not thin enough. You know, fill in the blank. You know, that self-doubt, that, that reason that you keep giving yourself on why you shouldn't. So that's what we're going to discuss today. And I know Sharon and I both have had conversations about this on a regular basis because um, it has defined uh, me in a lot of ways as well as her. <laughs> you know, we've talked about that. Absolutely. And uh, we both have discussed just the fact that if we could kind of go back to our former selves, that we would... Go ahead and tell ourselves to get rid of that self-doubt. And, you know, there's lots of reasons that we start doubting ourselves. And for many of us, that can start even from a very, very young age. Yeah. I think, you know, it's uh, the thing of telling yourself you're not enough, you know, or questioning why am I not enough, you know. I, yeah. um, but, you know, then sometimes you stop questioning because you go, well, I've seen I've not been enough in this aspect of my life or not felt like I've been enough in this aspect of my life. And, and you know, you see it for myself personally. It has been more on a very personal level that I have felt often in my life like I have not been enough. The one place I have, for the most part, succeeded in has been my professional career. And I have a lot of people who have criticized me over the years for the fact that I have been basically, in, in essence, as people have used it, been married to my work. Um, but when that's the part of you that you feel safest in, it's the part of you that you go to. Yeah, I, and I think that we all have our little safety zones, you know, that we, we choose to stay in because maybe that's the area where there's a little bit less self-doubt. A little bit less hurt. Yeah, a little bit less hurt, a little bit less baggage. And um, I know... It's kind of funny, and you know, a lot of women that I speak to have poured themselves into work um, for several reasons, but one of those that comes out over and over and over is just the fact that they have poured themselves into it for another identity because. You know, a lot of them are wives, a lot of them are mothers, and, you know, while that is an amazing title to have, both of those, it also can be very hard when maybe the kids are grown or maybe your marriage fails and then you're left with a bunch of question marks because, you know, you've, you've grown into that identity, but you've lost your self in the process. So, I mean, I think that can be hard a lot of times to try to figure out how to navigate those waters, but you know, I, and I think it's hard to like, you know, when you know your marriage is over. Yeah. And you look every day and you're like, I need to leave. I need to leave. I need to leave. But then you look at your kids and think, am I doing the right thing for them? And it can be such a hard struggle. Yeah, and, and I mean, I've been there. I'm, my listeners know that I was married before, so I had a failed marriage, you know, and those are more things that can kind of creep in and tell you that you're not enough, you know. Um, and I can look back now and 
and know from this place, because it's a whole lot easier to see backwards, right? <laughs> that it, it wasn't just him. It was a lot me. But the things that, that was him, it did kind of erode my self-esteem, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, I was... I'm right there. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and that, that is hard because even though, yes, I had a part to play in why our marriage failed, the, the, the parts of it that, you know, wasn't the stuff that I was doing, it, it furthered my self-doubt as a person. Um, it furthered my value. It furthered my self-worth. And, you know, um, a lot of people know here that, um, you know, I... You know, experience uh, sexual assault as as a young person, and that was something that for the longest time I tried to hide. You know, it was something that I didn't want to talk about. It was something that I didn't want anybody to really know about because I didn't want it to define me. That's what I kept telling myself. Well, they can't find out because it will define me. And you know, when something like that happens to you, you know, in a lot of ways, it does start to define you because it changes the way that you look at everything. It changes the way that you look at yourself. It changes the way that you look at other people. It changes your trust issues. It changes, you know, what you feel comfortable doing. And there was a lot of decisions, you know, bad decisions that I ended up making afterward because I didn't even care anymore in a lot of ways because I felt that something had been taken away from me and I wasn't even valuable anymore, which I can tell, you know, anybody that's in that place now, that is so not true. And I know that about myself now, Yeah. but at the time it was something that I just felt like I had to hide it. And so it's, it's kind of like that old saying, Oh, you know, about the, what is it? The, what a, what a large web you weave when you promise to deceive type thing, because <coughs> you know, Oh, you're fine. One little, um, like lie about why I did this or why I didn't do this. I didn't want to say it was because of that because I didn't want anybody to know about that. Right. So instead I would say, well, it was because of this instead or that instead. And then, you know, you keep having to add to that and add to that and add to that when really it should not have been shameful that I experienced that. That was not my fault, you know, but I was so ashamed and that became such a big voice in my head to my self-doubt and then added to the times where people would say um because I, I did not walk through graduation you know that was something again i hid i never told anybody that i never told anybody that i left school and got my ged i just couldn't i couldn't face it anymore that's not something as a professional business person that a lot of times you want to tell people because most people equate a ged with being very uneducated you know, so that was something very shameful that I hit. I didn't want people to know that when in reality, it was just because in that moment I was struggling so bad with all the stuff that I had gone through that I just couldn't, I couldn't go back to school. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. And, you know, from a mental health awareness standpoint, that's completely okay. And I know that now, but at the time, you know, it's a, it's one of those things that you just try to hide. And so when somebody talks about, oh, where did you, you know, graduate from? Well, I mean, technically, yeah, technically I didn't graduate in yeah. that area. I went to school there, but I left and I, you know, I'd done it a different way. And I, I don't know why I didn't think that was okay to say, but I, I just felt that I would have to then explain why I did that instead of the traditional graduation. Yeah. I know that too. I mean, I've, I've, uh, in the past as being a business consultant, I would have people say, so where'd you go to college? Well, I would tell them where I went to college, but, you know, I would never tell anybody I never graduated. You know, I never finished college. I was not a good student. I was ADHD, dyslexic during a time period when it was unknown. You know, it was unknown why you couldn't sit still, why you couldn't concentrate, why you couldn't focus. And, you know, so it was something really honestly up until probably about the last four or five years i had shame when i never wanted to admit to somebody that i never finished college but now i look at it and say you know what i realize all these other big humongously powerful people out there with amazing careers and amazing jobs that have built amazing businesses haven't graduated college either and now i look back at myself as i look at it as a strength like I didn't go to college, but I have just as good of a business 
as the people who did go to college because I'm street smart. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes And drive. To, yeah. There's different types of knowledge. You know, there's different types of smartness. You know, there's different types of knowing, you know, and I, I and, think... And your ability to even, even get through school. Exactly. And, you know, I think... The world has kind of come full circle. You know, I did end up going to college, which yet again, um, I, I ended up starting at a college that was, was an accredited college. And I, you know, had kids young, couldn't afford that college anymore. So I actually switched to a school that ended up being a non-accredited college, which I honestly, at the time, didn't even really know the difference. I thought, oh, this one's cheaper. <laughs> you know? yeah. I've got little kids. I want to finish working on, you know, all of that. And so I, you know, I ended up finishing... Um, just, it was actually not this kind of starting to show my age, but it was uh, via mail, you know, cause there was not like a bunch of the internet and all that kind of stuff. So I did college classes through the mail through a uh, U.S. career Institute is where I ended up switching to. But when people would ask me where I went to college, I never said that one. I would always say the one I started in, you know, because people knew what, what that was. And it was, you know, it was deemed more worthy, which I felt like I got a pretty decent education with the way that I did it. But it's still, it was another one of the things that should it have caused shame? No, I had tiny little kids and I was, you know, juggling, trying to do schoolwork at night and mailing it in. And that, that shouldn't have been something that made me ashamed. You know, I think that a lot of our self doubt comes from these stories that we tell ourselves that in reality, they're fairy tales because they're not even rooted in truth. And if there, even if there is those few people that that do think somebody is less worthy because of they were sexually assaulted, or less worthy because they ended up getting a GED instead of a regular diploma, or less worthy because they switched from you know the regular college to a non-accredited, or less worthy because they decided college wasn't for them and dropped out and decided to you know become an entrepreneur. You know, even if there are or, those few doubters, who cares? Or you know, maybe you were a CD student in high school, and so like you don't want to admit that you weren't that straight A student. I think one of my biggest aha moments for me was when I had my 25 year class reunion, which was like six years ago. And I had somebody come up to me and say to me, oh, I always knew you'd be successful. You were so smart. And I'm thinking I struggled every day. Like literally the reason I worked as hard as I did to pass school is because I loved being a cheerleader and I loved being a dancer and I didn't want to lose that. And so I fought every day to get the grades that I got. but. I don't think people had any idea. I thought everybody had knew, but I don't think based off of some of the comments that were made to me over the years that any of my classmates had any idea that I was not a straight A student. And it was quite shocking to me when this person said, well, I knew always need to be hugely successful. Well, that goes to it was show an you. aha moment yeah, for me. That goes to show you that a lot of times our perception of ourselves and how we're, we suck at this or we screwed up this or we're no good because of this. And, it, it's stories that we're telling ourselves that, again, are not true. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or like I grew up on a big farm out in the country. And, you know, our school was split up basically between the farm kids and the city kids. You know, and I think, you know, even for me, that was a little bit of a, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, coming from a successful, you know, family that your parents work in the offices of a Fortune 500 company in our town. And versus, you know, me that my dad worked in the factories to have insurance and have that guaranteed income and then came home and worked on our farm all night long, all afternoon, you know, whatever it may be. Um, to me, I gained so much out of that. Oh, I But agree. we definitely had the battle in our school. Um, not not huge in, you well, know, just like some may be, white, but there was definitely... White collar and blue yeah. collar. I mean, I came from a blue collar family. Um, you know, actually, I don't even know for the first part of it if it even could have been considered blue collar. My dad got laid off quite often early on. And I mean, we did not have money. I mean, we were poor, Yeah. you know, and I was probably about, I don't know, probably about eight or nine or 10, I can't remember when, um, he got a decent paying job, you know, it was still blue collar, but it was a decent paying job. And for the first moment, I felt like we had money, even though we still didn't yeah. really have money. I felt like we did, you know, cause it was, a, it was a job that he wasn't laid off, you know, all winter long, you know? So, you know, that was a big change, but I think in a lot of ways, a lot of those things that we go through and a lot of the ways that we grew up I think it taught us a lot of resourcefulness and, you know, a lot of people 
think that you have to have like mega resources to be able to succeed. And yeah, I mean that I, there's plenty of times I was like, wow, if I had had this and had that and been able to do this, it would have been so much easier, but easier is not always better. You know, and I think the you don't reason, fight as hard. No. And I think the reason that I have been able to succeed in the things that I've succeeded in is because I've got that hunger and I've got that drive because I've always had to chase it. Yeah. I think I was the same way because I don't know why, but, you know, my brother was just this person that he could listen to something in class and pass a test with 100%. He wouldn't even have to study. And I would study and study and study and feel like I knew it. And my mind would just not let me bring that stuff forward when I would sit there to take the test. I was a good student on paper in the classroom and homework, that kind of stuff, but I was an awful test taker. Uh, I think it was just the whole ADHD, all that kind of stuff going on, you know. But, you know, I always felt like I was fighting to measure up to where he was my whole life. And I think the drive and determination, the things I saw out of my parents, you know, to make every day on the farm, you know, get all the stuff done, you know, cows, pigs, feedings, you know, this, that, and, and, you know, then you can put the crops out, you're getting the crops in. My dad's still working a full-time job, you know, and I think that gave me that drive, that, that work ethic. Well, yeah, your work <laughs> ethic. And, um, you know, so I think then, you know, I, I took that and I looked at it and said, I'm always been the underdog in the family and not because necessarily my parents ever made me feel that way, but I felt that way because I saw his grades and my parents were the people who rewarded you for your grades. So here yeah. he is getting, you know, whatever, $5 for an A and I'm getting like a buck for a C. I worked my ass off to get that C. He did nothing to get that A. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, and so, and it was just, a, and that has stemmed, a, that has caused a big part of my self-doubt uh, from little on because I would go to school and they're like, wow, you're sure not your brother. Yeah. You know, and when you hear that, you know, and over and over and over your entire life, it's like instantly you see that you're not that person, but you don't meet up to that person either. And, you know, where I excelled in other things, you know, um, but they weren't education, you know, because I had did not have the ability with being ADHD and dyslexic to learn that stuff, retain the stuff and and be able to, you know, take it forward. And I think that shows you the power of words. And and I'm guilty of this. I, I, I know I am. You know, a lot of times we just say things because, you know, we don't mean anything by it, you know. And I mean, I, I've done it. But you never know what little nugget somebody is pulling out of what you just said for good and like a pat on the back or if it becomes another little voice in their head telling them that they're not enough. And I think that's why we need to constantly challenge ourselves to really think about the words that we're saying. And also to challenge us that if somebody does say something that, you know, it does affect us negatively, that it's a good idea to have a conversation with them and let them know because I think nine times out of 10, they didn't mean it that way. Yeah. And if they, they, if they are that one out of 10 that did, well, then you know exactly where you stand with that person and they don't need to be able to weigh yeah. in on the decisions and be able to come that voice in your head. Well, I know for me, um, you know, back in 2018, I went through a, a program with Brendan Burchard. Loved the program. It was very life-changing for me in respects of how I saw myself. And part of it was, you know, writing a letter, being challenged to basically write a letter, you know, and, and, and kind of exit those old wounds, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, you had, it, it was writing them down. I mean, like we had to write down the things that affected us most in our life in a negative fashion that we've still carried forward. And I took the time to write my ex-husband a letter. Um, it had been years since our divorce and it was so freeing for me. And it was like my real turning point of getting past the hurt and the anger and, and feeling like, you know, I felt towards um, the way he made me feel in, in our marriage. And, um, but I look at it in other ways and I think about all the ways he provided for us over the years and all the great trips we took together, all the fun we did have. Um, but, you know, as they always say, it takes five positive to make up for one negative. And, you know, I got to the point that I just, they didn't outweigh each other. 
Well, and I think, you know, I just had to move on. I think a lot of times people that, you know, have you heard that saying that says wounded people wound people? A lot of times people that are carrying around that baggage, they're so wounded, they don't even realize that's why that they're turning around and saying things or snapping at somebody or having a short fuse or, you know, whatever. But it is. And, you know, another thing is this, this is something that, I had to kind of figure out about myself is that I had been carrying around all the baggage of all that stuff that I said before that happened when I was a kid, carrying around for my whole life. So every job I had, every relationship I had, every, everything, you know, I've got all this baggage I'm dragging with me, which was exhausting. And, you know, it made me not the best version of myself. I wasn't the best version of myself and yeah. I couldn't even really say, I mean, I, I was happy ish, but I wasn't truly happy because I had not unpacked all that baggage. Yeah. And when everything come crashing down, which is something that I've talked about on this podcast, like relentlessly, because it was such a turning point for me in my life, I'm going to continue to talk about it when I couldn't hold everything together and everything come crashing down and my marriage fell apart again, my second marriage. And, you know, I just, I felt like I had nothing left at that point and you know the I had changed trajectory with the business and made some decisions that I regretted and you know all this stuff would had just come crashing down that I just had to drop it all and when I did instead of feeling really terrible well, I mean I did feel terrible for a few days but instead of feeling really really terrible like long term I started feeling like I could breathe again because I didn't care what people thought yeah. I didn't care yeah. that they knew I didn't care I, I just didn't care anymore. And at that moment, I realized what I had done to myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, you know, writing down and having a really like pour out on a piece of paper where I felt like I wasn't enough for people, but stemming that back and digging out the why, 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 why. And you talk about the why all the time. I mean, so you can have all these feelings. But they don't stem sometimes from the feelings that you have in that moment. They stem from things that happened a long time ago and your fear that that is happening again. And so either you have the fear and you just let it or you have the or you have the strength to stand up and say, not this time, you know. And I think sometimes, you know, being real with yourself allows you to have that reset yeah. and allows you to be happier. I mean, honestly, like right now in my life, I truly feel one of the happiest I've ever felt in my life. And, you know, and, and I have people all the time, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, you always have a smile on your face. Why are you smiling? Why are you smiling? I don't know why I'm smiling, but I feel great that I am smiling. And it is such an amazing sensation. But, you know, I've had to do things to get to that point. So, I mean, like, I have a gratitude journal. I've had a gratitude journal for probably the last 12 years of my life. I write in it every night before I go to bed. I write three to five things that happened that day that I'm grateful for. And then I look back and say, what did I struggle with today? And I sit down and I write something positive about a similar experience that went well for me. Even if it was five years ago, even if I have a time where five days in a row I had to write down the same positive experience to remind myself that you may have one day where it's a little bit not so great, but you've had these days that have been amazing and wonderful. And so I wake up the next morning with that feeling of that amazing and wonderful. So I can start my next day with that very positive feeling that I just went to bed with. I know. And I know with me, I feel free now, which that's what makes me happy. Does that mean that every second of every day I'm happy go lucky and you know, that nothing ever bothers me? Absolutely not. I mean, I'm sarcastic. I'm snarky. I have a thousand kids. Sometimes I get on my nerves. <laughs> Things don't always go my way. You know, so I think there's a difference between happiness just as a person and in life and happiness with every single thing that happens because yeah. you're not always going to have every single thing completely thrill you. You know, it's not yeah. going to be like a fairy tale where you're walking on clouds and, you know, butterflies are flying around. You know, so yeah. that's not reality. Being happy means I'm happy as myself. I'm happy with my life. You know, my husband and I were able to work things out, which was a miracle where we were at because, I mean, and it literally takes two, peop two people. If both people are not willing to work on it, it's not going to work. And, you know, we're, we're doing great now, but both of us had to unpack our baggage. We both had it. 
and he had been dragging around his own. I had been dragging mine around and then add in the kids and, you know, one of the kids has special needs. And it just like, it just added more stuff until I felt like I couldn't breathe. I was being suffocated. You know, I couldn't take anything else. And I think that's typically the tipping point for a lot of people. Yeah. Is that this, that one last thing, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> I remember mine with my divorce. I remember that moment where I just said, I'm, I, I'm done trying to make this work anymore. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of times if you kind of trace back all the things that go on in our lives, you know, some obviously we had, you know, we had zero control over and then some, you know, we need to sit and figure out who we are as a person before we really should get into a relationship. I should have done that. I should have dealt with all the stuff that I had before I got into relationship, any relationship. And I didn't. I just tried to bury it and then thought, oh, okay, I was just going to cover it up with this. Well, that doesn't work, you know, not long term. And, you know, I think that with a lot of people, they also tend to do that. And it could be the littlest thing. It doesn't have to be a sexual assault. It doesn't have to be, you know, divorce. It doesn't have to be you know, anything like that. Sometimes, you know, maybe you were at school and this one person said this one little thing that seems insignificant to them and they probably wouldn't even remember it but that's stuck inside your mm -hmm. head and you know 30 years later you're repeating it to no. yourself <laughs> yeah I think the other thing too you know it's it's hard because um, when you are in a new relationship you sit there and think do I really let myself completely get into this relationship or into this and then sometimes for me in the past and I'm trying really hard not to do this now is I thought that guy would fix the problems. Exactly. You know, I realize now that that is not the case. And now I just want this happy-go-lucky person in my life that is, you know, just there to just be there and whatever becomes, it becomes or whatever it may be. In the past, that. I've always thought that, like, I've always kind of felt like I had to have that guy because he was going to make it different for me. He was going to make yep. me feel better about myself because it was just an area in my life that has always been a struggle. And because I, you know, my brother would say things to me. He wouldn't make fun of me. He would say things like, go play in, here's a quarter, go play in the street, make sure a car's coming. Yeah. Um, he didn't mean it, no, but, but those are it things was those that, things that stuck yeah. back in my head, you know, or like, you know, you're so stupid, you know, yeah. and that's exactly how he would say it, you yeah. know, oh, you're not good at anything, you know. Um, Which is typically things siblings just say, but for whatever reason, it struck a nerve <clears throat> with you because you already felt like you were stupid. Yeah. Yeah. You already felt like you you know, weren't working. Didn't measure up. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he probably never even thought that that would say that because I mean, what well, siblings don't say that to each other? You know? Honestly, I see him do it to his own kids yeah. and now I call him out on it. Yeah. I'm like, quit being a dick. Yeah. You know, to your own children. Yeah. Loves his kids to death. Don't get me wrong, but he just has those moments and I think it's just because he's just always said it and it's always been accepted and nobody stopped him. And well, we uh, all fall yeah. into those habits. Now, let me, you know, yeah. And all of this. We have a great relationship now as adults. Yeah. So, um, and you know, and I, I see his weaknesses now. I couldn't see those when we were growing up. I see them now. And now I'm like, oh, he's not perfect. You know? Isn't it funny how the people we put on a pedestal, you realize how human they are. Um, I mean, I, I could, I could name pff, so many people I put on a pedestal and, you know, you realize uh, when you get older and you kind of live life a little more, how human everybody actually yeah. is. And there's no perfect. And, you know, you mentioned a minute ago about, you know, always having to have that person, that guy to fix it. And that's exactly what I did. You know, I don't know if it was because I went <clears throat> what I went through and I, you know, I did have such trust issues and, you know, I didn't feel like I was scared all the time, but I guess maybe way deep down, I did feel scared that I needed that strong person that can yeah. be there to protect Maybe me Maybe I can't do it on my yeah. own. So I was just so terrified that, I mean, it's, I got together with my ex-husband. We were very, very young. I was pregnant. And, you know, when you're Southern Baptist and you're pregnant, then, you know, marriage is what happens. And so we got married and, you know, we were so young and didn't really know anything about marriage, anything about having a kid, anything about anything really at that age. And he had a job already. Like, I mean, yeah. and I'm not talking about a job, go to work. I mean, obviously he had one of those, but I mean, his job was to be my protector. I, I gave him that job in my head without saying it. 
and his job was to make me happy. Well, that's not really fair to expect somebody to have a job to make you happy and to protect you and all these like invisible listed things that I had in my head. I just expected it. And I think as women, a lot of times, a lot of us are guilty of having these invisible checklists for our partners. Um, and even maybe if you're a business owner for your staff, you know, for your business partners, for whatever, we have these invisible checklists. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's kind of sad yet funny now looking back because I don't know why I expected him, especially being so young, but, but even, you know, somebody my age now to be able to read my mind and know all the things that I needed and expected him to do. It was not fair, you know, and that starts things in relationships. It starts, you know, those expectations when they're not met, you don't feel good about that. You get angry about that. You get mad about that. Then you start talking to yourself again, that self-doubt comes in. Well, if he loved me more then, yeah. well, if he cared about me, he would, you know, you start filling yeah. in the blanks with all those things. I think one of the things that I've realized and in, in even seeing it in myself now is I've realized that I've always wanted people to be able to read my mind, um, more so the men in my life for what I wanted. And I never really spoke up for fear that I wouldn't have that expectation met or that desire met by them and I think that's one of the best things I feel right now because I do feel like I understand that now about men that like you have to give them a direction because they're not like women and they don't think things through the way we do they don't run 20,000 things through their head at one time because they don't multitask in the way that we do and I think now you know it's easier for me to say hey listen like I kind of sort of had this expectation that you were unaware of. Um, but like, if you could do this for me, it would really make me happy. Yeah. And now I feel like I'm, it's okay to have a voice because I'd rather have a voice and have them not be able to meet that expectation, but they know that I have the expectation and us figure out if we can accept that in each other exactly. than to sit there and say nothing for the fear of the unknown or the self-doubt or the, you know, whatever, the, the rejection, I guess, more than anything, bigger than anything, probably is the rejection. Now I realize that for me to have what I want in a relationship, even if it's with a sibling or, or anybody, I have to lay out the expectation because otherwise they don't meet an expectation they have no knowledge of. Exactly. And to go along with that, you need to make sure that you figure out within yourself what your boundaries are. That's another thing that I was never good at voicing. I was not good at voicing my expectations and I was not good at voicing my boundaries. I had them. We all had them, Mm -hmm. you know, but I was not good at saying, okay, this is what I expect. This is what I don't like. This is what I, you know, can't put up with, you know, whatever it is. This is is. what's important to me. Yeah. You have to have those boundaries, have those discussions. And those are important in every relationship. Again, whether it's a marriage or a boyfriend or, you know, girlfriend or, you know, whatever, uh, even in the business world, those boundaries and expectations all need to be laid out because, you know, not, no one is a mind reader, (laughs) no one. And if you don't lay those boundaries out there, you can't expect somebody to not cross them because, you know, not everybody has the same boundaries. Um, I can't remember the author, but who is it that wrote the five love languages? I can't remember his name, but I'll remember whenever I get off here. I don't remember, but I'm sorry. I think his last name's great. I'm sorry, guy who wrote that book. I'm sorry, guy who wrote that book. And we love you. But anyway, I mean, that right there shows you, I mean, people think so differently. We all have our different love languages. We have our different languages in business. We have just have our different languages. So sometimes maybe your significant Gary others, Chapman. Gary Chapman, thank you. Sometimes maybe those significant others or, you know, maybe business partners or depending on what aspect you're looking at it from, maybe they're trying to do it from their love language, from the way Absolutely. that they show appreciation or show love or show admiration or whatever it is. Maybe they're doing things, but we're not seeing it because that's not how we receive love. That's not how we receive admiration. Yeah. That's not how we receive appreciation. So it's not computing. It's almost like, think of it like currency, right? So, you know, if, if I'm over in China and I'm, you know, trying to buy something with the American dollar, well, 
that's not going to work because that currency, they don't even know how to use that currency. You know, that currency doesn't work there. And it's like that with, you know, how we express our emotions. Emotions are super powerful and it works the same way. You know, if, if you're the type of person that, you know, you need physical touch or, you know, need, you know, whatever. Time to together. Be, yeah. To be able to show love, appreciation, and that somebody is doing acts of service. Okay. Where you'd be like, okay, that's great. You swept the floor, but what about what I'm needing? Because you you, know, maybe that's the way that they show it. I took the five love language test. Yeah. I scored a zero for gifts. Yeah. And I'm like, but, but I like flowers. <laughs> yeah. I like gifts. What do you mean? I don't want a gift. I want a gift, you know, but I, I mean, it's, you know, for some people, those gifts are super important for me. I want it on holidays, maybe every once in a while, just out spare the moment kind of thing. But I would much rather you say, hey, Sharon, I want to spend, you know, tomorrow evening with you. Are you available? That means so much more to me because I scored equally high on physical touch and time, you know, together. And so, yeah, I mean, and I think you could actually utilize a lot of those aspects in the workplace, you know. If you're the type of person that, you know, when you do something that you want to be told you did a great job, you know, it's great if everybody knows that because not everybody's like that. Some people get super uncomfortable if they're called out, if they do something, you know, you have to, everybody's personalities and emotions are so different. And, you know, we have to really know what makes those people tick, you know, take time to figure out. You know, what makes your significant other tick? What makes your friends tick? What makes your business associates tick? Because, you know, perception is everything in life. Absolutely. And if you don't have the right, you know, aspect of going in, then it might be perceived wrong. Yeah. Well, and I know like even whether it's your personal life or your professional life, there are things that you excel in and there are things that you don't excel in at all. I mean, and things that give you that high. I mean, when I teach my Google classes... I am on a high and it takes me hours to get off that high. You know, when someone calls and says, hey, will you do a quick presentation on a stage and I want you to talk about, you know, um, you know, professional success and how you got to where you're at or when, you know, what are your, you know, talk a little bit about your failures and how you overcame them, whatever it may be. You put me on a stage in front of a thousand people and I am like lit on fire. Throw me some pump up music. Give me a set of pom-poms and I'm your yeah. girl, man. I am your girl. Yeah. But there's other people you have to do that and they're going to crawl into the corner and want to die. Yeah. But I mean, for me, that like day-to-day -day yeah. monotony of having to like write stuff for our yeah. clients. Oh, I mean, I get it. thank goodness we've got great content yeah. writers because... I would not be that person. I don't do well doing the same thing every day. I always joke around and say, I am great in business, but I'm a, I would be a terrible employee. Not because I don't want to do the job, because I go in like, I'm like, yeah, I got this. But I am so all over the place with what I want to do. I get bored super easy. Yeah. And I think that's why I really love the marketing industry is because it literally changes every second. <laughs> so. Well, and you and I, we go into a business and we so think outside the box yeah. and we're like, Oh my gosh, why are you not doing this? And why are you not doing that? Why are you I mean, I was on the phone with one of our clients this morning and I'm like, you need to create this postcard and you need to glue your product onto it. And you need to be <laughs> mailing it out to every client that does this and every company that does this and does this. And he's like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like we so need to do that. That's resourcefulness. Yeah, see? Just like, cause in my mind I'm going, you've got something yeah. amazing here yeah. and we know like the areas you could really explode in. And right now it's not the areas you're really going after, but we know that that market exists and we need to stop holding ourselves back and not going after it and like just put some money to it and, and, and run with it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that kind of stuff gives both of us a high. I know. I think we're both risk takers. Yeah. Now, I, I'm, I've been burnt enough times. I'm a hesitant risk taker now because there is something to be said for like tabling it, think about it a couple of days and making sure that it's good, viable because I'm, my natural personality is, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. And I don't even, I just like jump, Yeah. yeah. you know, not knowing if I have a parachute, not knowing what's yeah. down there, yeah. you know, I just jump. So, I mean, you get burnt enough times, so yeah. you stop doing that. I'll tell you, I think Marie and I both did an exercise recently, and I really would advise all of you to take the time to do this. 
We went out to different family members, friends, past and current business associates and and business contacts and and clients and asked them to honestly give them, us, our top three traits that they feel like we have. Yeah. I was so shocked because one of my weaknesses that I see in myself continued to come up as what other people saw as a strength for me. Probably when I categorized all of them, it probably fell about fourth. And I sent emails out to about 52 people, and I had about a 90% response, which, number one, floored me to death that that many people took the time. And even though some of them took a day, two, three, you know, I had one person took like five days just out of the blue last night. I got their, you know, their yeah. thing from them. Like, hey, never say your words, but like, here I they got, are. I got one. Yeah. They're <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah. I'm and I talk. sat there and was like, oh my gosh. I mean, like, stop thinking that this is something that you're not good at because clearly you excel at it. So I would really like, I know it is hard to put yourself out there. But trust me, people can find three positive aspects about you. No matter how much you don't think they may be there for some of you who are listening, I challenge you. That is my challenge to you today. Reach out to 10 family, 10 friends, and 10 business people that you work with, whether that's a client or business associate or employee that you, you know, co, co-employee, whatever it may be, um, whether it's past or present, I challenge you, 10 of each. Get your three words and ask them to explain, you know, why they gave you the word. Some may, some may not. You know, tell me. I either want the three words or, or elaborate on it if you'd like. I had probably about 80% of my people who elaborated. And when I sent the text out, I just said, I want three words. Yeah. And I was shocked by the people who just elaborated on it. And I was reading things about me that I was like sitting here going, I want, I, I've always tried to be that person. And people actually see it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, and it can give you a good (laughs) indication. You know, if you're getting words back, that's not what you're wanting to project. That needs to tell you, okay, well, you know, not necessarily if they're bad, but maybe that's not who I want to be. Yeah. You know, then you need to sit and think, well, is it not who I want to be for a specific reason? You know, do I have some type of, you know, bias against that for whatever reason, or is it not who I want to be because it doesn't go along and align with my goals, you know, what, mm-hmm. what, it, you know, but that will give you a good indication on how people see you. Yeah. And I like I've that. really worked on my confidence recently. I mean, I would have to say in the last six months, I am more confident now than probably any other point in my life. And it has taken me a lot to get to this point. Even when I went through Brendan's program, it started to grow my confidence. Yeah. But about six months ago, I finally just like put the hammer down and said, no, enough's enough. And stop having the self-doubt that you have and stop feeling like you're not enough. Stop letting other people run your life. And, and I did do that in a lot of ways. And I feel amazing right now in my own personal life. I had to really, again, look at my self-doubts. I had wrote them down. I had wrote them down two years ago and went back and pulled out my homework from that week that we had to write our self-doubt down. And I just said, enough's enough. And, um, you know, these last six months of my life, I felt like I had had a voice in my life. I felt like I had been the driver of my life. And one of the biggest things I said to myself is, I grew up being this happy-go-lucky person. In fact, I had a, <laughs> I had a gal in the locker room in high school that's like, I don't know how you can be so happy every single day. And if you don't Tone it down, basically. I'm going to beat the crap out of you in a dark alley one night. I mean, like, she's like, because my life sucks. I mean, basically, I mean, like, we all knew where she, you know, what her family life was like. And she's like, and I can't stand that you don't know how it is to, like, have a bad day in your life. And that kind of got sucked out of me. Yeah. Over my marriage and, and other relationships I've been in and work experiences that I've had. I've had great work experiences. Never had a job I've ever hated. But there have been times in my work experiences where I could have loved things a lot more. And it's because, again, like I was dabbling in things that were my weakness. I was letting self-doubt or other people's, you know, way of yeah. way of yeah way of talking to me or handling things of me not allow me to be you know who I am and my best self 
And I look at Brendan Burchard and I said, I know I use his name all the time, but I'm like, if you want a happy, lucky, go lucky person, oh my God, turn his podcast on every single morning. He's the most outgoing, energetic, happy person you'd ever meet. And, you know, I mean, like, you know, lay in bed in the morning and think about who you want to be that day. I don't know how else to say it, but, you know, well, determine when you yeah. get out of bed, I am going to be that happy person and I am going to shine happiness in my life and around the people. I love walking down the street and just smiling. You know, I figured people are either going to smile back at me or they're going to look at me and be like, why is she smiling? <laughs> you know, well, I'm smiling because I choose to. Yeah. You know, well, and I think that that's a good point because there may be days where you don't feel like smiling. You know, you, there may be days where that self doubt is a little bit louder than it has yeah. been because that's the thing. And I think that's important to, to keep remembering is, you know, being positive doesn't mean that there's never a negative thought. Being happy oh, doesn't mean that there's never unhappiness. You know, there there is there's a yin and a yang to everything. It's just when that happens, don't stay in that negative place because you got to keep your focus on what you want. And nobody wants to be unhappy. Yeah, yeah. And I think that when you get rid of a lot of your self doubt. And when you understand where it came from and you realize that it doesn't have to define who you are now, it allows you to gain that strength and that confidence. Confidence was brought up so many times by people in my, in my three words. People I knew 10 years ago were coming back and saying I was confident. I can tell you 10 years ago, I absolutely was not a confident person. In aspects of my life, I was. But overall, no way. No way. <clears throat> now if people say it to me, I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I'm making myself feel confident and I'm allowing myself to say, this is my weakness. I can't do this. I'm going to hand it off to somebody else that it is their strength. I'm going to stop trying to be everything to everybody. And the biggest thing I can tell you is I've learned to say no. And and it took me so long to learn to say no. Same. <clears throat> and be like, I'm sorry, you know, like I would really love to help you and I really have a lot of great ideas for you and I'd happy to have a phone call with you. Here's my hourly rate. Yeah. Let's have a phone call and I'll talk about how you could better brand your business. But, you know, when you sit here and tell me I have no money, I'm going to tell you that, like, listen, I'll, you know, come up with a hundred bucks. Let's get on the phone and I'll tell you a little bit about how I think you could do it differently and better and, 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 you have to have that drive and desire to put those things into effect. So do not spend the $100 with me. If, if you're looking at yourself going, if I tell you you need to be posting five times a week on, on social media, or you need to build out your Google page, or you need to be looking at this as an avenue or direction that maybe you expand your business into because maybe there's more revenue to be had in that area than where you're at right now and you're not willing to hear that, don't spend your hundred bucks if a hundred bucks is all you have to spare this month. Because unless you're ready, you're going to waste your money. Exactly. And we both know that because we've done it. I have wasted money in the past. Absolutely can tell you. I have bought stuff in the past. I've talked to people in the past. I've done things in the past. Had people give me great recommendations. Things I should have done. <laughs> but I wasn't ready. And the self-doubt trickles yeah. in. Self-doubt. Or it was something that's not my strength. Yep. Yep. You know, I, you need to write this. You need to do this. Yep. You need to do that. Yep. I've, I've done the same oh. thing. I always joke around that not even only with business, but just with lots of things, yeah. hobbies and all kinds of things <laughs> that I would, I, I, I don't remember if I told this story on here or not, but I just told this story to somebody not long ago is that I was going, I've been going through my house cause we all been quarantined, going through my house and kind of purging some stuff that's kind of been there randomly forever. And I was going through and pulling out stuff that made me laugh because I had all these quilting supplies. Now, granted, I don't know how to quilt. <laughs> I've never quilted a day in my life. I bought all of this quilting stuff because I was seeing all these beautiful quilts and it's like, I wanted to quilt. I wanted to be that person, but I'm not. So it's like, I like, sometimes I think we buy this stuff because we, I thought, I guess in the back of my head, I buy all this quilting stuff then magically I'm going to be a quilter and magically I'm going to be able to throw this quilt together and it's just gonna be beautiful and I'm gonna be so proud of it but in reality I bought the stuff probably four year five years ago haven't touched it because I don't know how to quilt I think I turned on like a YouTube quilting video one time I was like oh my lord that's a lot I, I mean I don't even really sew yeah. so I don't yeah. even know what I was thinking but I think even in the business world we make that mistake too that we 
purchase this because, or decide to do this or agree to do this because that's the person that for whatever reason we want to be, yeah. you know, instead of just saying, wow, she made a beautiful quilt. That's a beautiful quilt. And then paying her to make me a yeah, quilt. Exactly. I would, I would have been cheaper. I was like, I'm going to be a quilter. Now, does that mean that you can't learn a new hobby? Absolutely not. But again, be real. I turned on too. like two minutes of a video. I'm like, yeah, why didn't I do that before? I spent all that money on the, you know, so if it's something that's new to you that you're thinking you want to try, I'm not saying don't try it again. I'm a risk taker, but again, like you just said, be yeah. realistic. Is it something that you wanted to, because for whatever reason you're telling yourself you need to do it or you have to do it or you should do it. Or is it something that you just want to try because it would enrich your life, enrich your business? Is it something that you have the time and energy for? Cause if not, don't flip and do it. You know, yeah. there's a reason that yeah. there's other people out there to hire to do things. You know, if I want a quilt, I will hire somebody yeah. to make me a quilt. Yeah. Because I'm not a quilter. I don't have the time nor energy nor even the want to to watch and learn and practice because I get frustrated with that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I wanted to be a quilter <laughs> because I wanted a quilt and I wanted to be able to have that. That's just not who I am. And I think that's, you know, yes, we can be anything. You know, it's not that you can't be anything, but do you want to be? Yeah. You know, you got to ask yourself, is it, is this what, does this fit into my life? You know what I mean? When I pictured, you know, my life, if I pictured my like ideal life, does Maria sitting there for hours and hours and hours sewing a quilt fit into that equation? No, I don't sit still no, very you have seven children. I know. And I don't sit still. I mean, I don't. So no. it's actually, it's again, it's some of these things that we look back and we're like, what the heck? Yeah. I mean, it's hysterical now that I, that I even thought, oh, I'm going to have a beautiful quilt. I'm, I'm on Amazon, like Amazon it up, you know. I just, I don't know. It's just stuff like yeah. that. And that's such a good example of, you know, in business world. <laughs> Amazoning it. <laughs> I know. In the business world, how we think, you know, oh, I can totally, you know, do all of this and all of that and all of this and all of that when I have zero skill sets to do this, that, and the other. I mean, I tried, you know, to do all kinds of things when I first, you know, started my business because I was bootstrapping. And there's nothing wrong with bootstrapping. You know, a lot of people start their business and bootstrap it. But at a certain point in time, when you have money flowing in and you have the resources, even if you pick one thing at a time to offset, that frees you up. It frees you up. And it also allows somebody who does it better to do it. Well, and, you know, I, some people say, well, I don't have the money for that. But if it is your own business and it's not a strength, can you modify your business in some way so that the things that are your strengths are what you're doing? Exactly. Because maybe it is a situation where you have this business and I'm telling you, like, I am not a good bookkeeper. Don't even ask me to be like, oh, my goodness. I mean, talk about like, <laughs> when, not, yeah, you know, we have, we have a business together with two other individuals. And when one of them said, I'll handle the bookkeeping, I was like, me too. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I just yeah. the lottery, you know. I mean, but literally, it's a situation where it's like, if you can figure out some way to barter your services, exactly. whatever it may be, do something. Find that person that says, listen, I have this strength and you have this strength. I need you to do this for yep. me. And how about in return, I'll do this for you. Figure it out. Bartering has got me so far, which it's funny that a lot of people don't do that anymore. I don't know if it's because... Shoot, you can barter with your friends. Yeah, you can barter with anybody. I don't know if it's because I didn't ever have money. You know, that, that I understand bartering really, really well, you know, but I do. I'm like, hey, I'll do this for you if you'll do this for me. Let's save us both some money. You yeah. know, I don't want I like that is definitely something that any, you know, startup new business or even business that, you know, coming out of this, we're in, uh, in 2020. This is what, May 28th, 2020. So, you know, there's a lot of businesses struggling because of the COVID-19, you know, quarantine shutdown. And, you know, maybe in a lot of ways you're finding yourself kind of taking a few steps back and having to really start to budget some things, you know, a lot of people, and I'm not just saying this only because, you know, we do marketing, but I'm saying it because I've, I've, I've seen it happen so many times that a lot of the places they start to cut is marketing, but then they take oh, such yeah. a giant step back. If you can't afford marketing, it can't, there's no way it can go in your budget figure out what the bare minimum is that you can afford. If it's literally zero, start bartering, figure out what do you have that you can barter with somebody to help you because marketing is not the place you want to give up. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, <clears throat> one of the things I will have to say for me is um, it has been a real admission yeah. <laughs> of like, I don't know, I don't want to use failure, but like admission of my weaknesses yeah. to have to, to, to realize that and admit it. And since I've done that and been able to start saying no to people, it's made my life so much freer feeling um, because I don't feel the weight of letting them down by not doing it right or timely enough or whatever it is. And so now, you know, it's, it's so much easier for me to say, we have a division of that that could probably help you with that. Let me make some calls or, you know, I know this person that does that or this person that does that. Um, I would rather spin somebody off to somebody else who's going to do it right for them and do it in a reasonable price and, and at good quality and not because because it's not worth any revenue I'd make yeah. if my if it puts my stress level so high, you know. I've, so. I've been there too. I mean, I, it's funny because, well, you got back a bunch of words that said confidence, you know, whenever you were sending it out to your friends and I got that back too, which, you know, I think in a lot of ways I am confident, but there's a lot of ways that I lack confidence and mine is in the same area. You know, I was always, I never wanted to let anybody down I didn't, because again, I had this like idea in my head that I wasn't valuable because, you know, I, I'm not good enough because I can't do that like them because so I, you know, I had all these self doubts and fake truths in my head that, you know, when somebody would ask me to do something, I'd be like, yeah, I could totally do that because I didn't want to say that I couldn't because I didn't want them to number one, feel let down and number two, add to the fact of what I thought they thought about me, which was that I wasn't good enough yeah. because, well, and I know there's probably a lot of you sitting out there right now and you're going, I'm in this dead end job. I'm miserable at it. I would love to be so much more to somebody else, you know? I, I, I love to talk about this to people and, yeah. and encourage them and, and be that spokesperson and that cheerleader for them. Nothing is out of the realm of accomplishment when you put your mind to it. And maybe it's a part-time job for a while. Maybe it's one hour a week for a while. But if for one hour a week you get to do that one thing that you love and it puts that joy in your life, don't hold yourself back because you think, oh, I can only do it for one hour. Yeah. Because that one hour may become two hours, become three hours. And before you know it, you're working at eight hours a week. You're starting to make more and more money. Now you can go part-time in your full-time job, make more money, and eventually get to the point that you've taken away that you know job. For some of you, it might be like, I have this desire to accomplish this in my career path within my company. So you're not trying to be an entrepreneur, but you're trying to get two steps from where you're at now to have the courage. Tell that person, I want to be where you are one day. I'm not sure why I'm not getting there. And go have, tell them, like, you know, can I have 20 minutes of your time to pick your brain? Yeah. Or if maybe if you're not comfortable talking to that person, talk to the person that is in that same level in another area of the company that you are comfortable with. Or maybe the person right below them that says, hey, you know, like, how do I get to your place? Because I got to get to your place to eventually get to their place. But when you're not getting where you want, that self-doubt creeps in really fast. Really I, fast. Really fast. And I know I used to put way too much on myself. So taking giant steps back was freeing, but you also can get in a rut where you are afraid to do anything then because you don't want to feel like that again. <laughs> I know that when I first got so overwhelmed that I had to kind of like drop it, I was like, I was like, I never want to feel like that again. So it was like, I was afraid for a little bit to try to do stuff like I did before because I didn't want to get so overwhelmed, but that's also not a good place to be, you know, and it didn't go with my natural personality. So that didn't, that didn't last very long, but you know, it was, a, it was, it didn't last very long at all, but it was a thought in my head. And now, you know, I am very consistent with writing down, you know, what I want this year, what I want this quarter, what I want this month, what I want this week. And you know, do, does 100% of them happen? No, but you know what my goal is, one thing. That's what I say. One thing. Today, I'm going to do one thing that pushes me toward that goal. And it, it may be, end up being that I have a great day and I get 10 things done. Great. But one thing. Yep. One thing. I want at the end of the day to do one thing. And it may just be, okay, well, I want to start writing more blog posts and I get the title of the blog post done. 
Okay, that's one thing that pushed me further. You <laughs> Today, know, Maria and I, we're, exactly. we're, we're launching something amazing coming up, ladies. Amazing. So keep your ears open yeah. because we are launching it's, something amazing. It's going to be and today, <laughs> we finally decided what we're calling it. Yeah. Woo! And we're pretty excited. We can't tell you yet. Yeah, we can't were, tell yet. We're, we're, we were so excited. And, and we created our logo. <laughs> yeah. And we incorporated our business. And it's been a good day. Oh, my gosh. It's been a good yeah. day. <laughs> but are all the days like that? No. I mean, literally, there's so many. Like, some days, I feel like I'm putting out fires all day between, you know, business and my children. And, you know, it's, it's like I get to the end of the day. And I'm just like, oh, you know, so that can get you into a funk really fast. And what I used to do would be like, gosh, I suck. I should have got up earlier. I should have done this. I should have stayed up later. I should, I should have, should have, should have, should have, you know, and that just, I should have watched a TV show, (laughs) you know, weighs in on the self doubt part of my brain and it doesn't do good things for us. So what I do now is when I get to the end of the day, if I've had a great day, great, I celebrate. If I've had a day where it's been questionable, I do a little bit of yoga or get down the elliptical for a while. And I think, what is one thing? What's my one thing? My one thing that pushes me towards what my goals are. Because, yeah, I mean, during client work or in taking care of the kids and feeding them, obviously that's like daily goals. But that's not, that, that's not my life goals. That's not, you know, what I'm wanting in my life, you know, do Where your passion yeah. is, your drive. Do the one thing that pushes you. And there hasn't, I used the blog post title because that's literally sometimes been my one thing because, you know, it'd be late and I'd be tired and I knew I couldn't put my all into writing the whole thing, but I wanted to come up with a great title so I knew what I'd be writing on next time. And I did that. And that was my one thing. And that was okay. I think for me, like one of the things that with, and I keep coming back to this, like writing down my, you know, my defeats and my... Yeah my self-doubts and and trying to come back with my why and why did it happen and where did it start and one of the things that I had to do also was then write my positive things so like even though I feel like I have doubt in that area I also know I have successes in it and so I thought that was really interesting or lessons yeah lessons in it I mean so you know so I might have five days in a row that I feel down on myself about that one thing that Mm -hmm. I question if I'm good enough for but then I have in that you know maybe the next two are hugely successful and I write those down I write those down to keep them in my pocket so when I have five days in a row where something doesn't go exactly the way it is and I didn't accomplish knocking everything off my to-do list that day and I did it because like literally was spend two hours with my kids in the evening or not and I chose to spend the two hours with my kids you know, and, um, but then, you know, next two days, I'm really, really like concentrating, focused all day long and I get everything done and I have that success. You got to carry that with you too. So write down, you know, your, your reasons behind your why and, and why you let it creep into your life now and in the ways you let it creep into your life now, but then also write your successes down like the days that it doesn't creep into your mind because you've done this this and this and you walk out of there feeling like a rock star you have to write those down and celebrate those days and when you're having the down days have those into your back pocket you've wrote them down pull them out and look at them maybe put them on a post-it note in your desk drawer put it on post-it note in your put it everywhere put it on your mirror (laughs) shoot write in lipstick on your mirror ladies i'm telling you just take your lipstick out and write in your lipstick your success on your mirror because it's a it's a powerful powerful i I, i'm gonna challenge you all exactly what sharon said you know get a notebook or a piece of paper or whatever and write down what are the tiny little voices in your head saying you know what are your self-doubts where did those come from you know why do you have them what what caused that and it can be painful to start to unpack it trust me because you know if you're anything like me you may have carried this with you for 20 some years trying to hide it and unpacking it sucks but if you don't unpack it deal with it in that moment and be done with it because it doesn't matter what happened or didn't happen it doesn't define who you are and it does not get to tell you that you're not worthy so I want you to do that and I also want you to like Sharon said write down your successes and 
you may have to look really hard, especially if you've been in a bad place for a while now. It may be something super small. Five years small. ago, it could be five <laughs> years ago. We don't care. No, nope. find your success. And it could be, it could be something. So it could be that you wrote a title for a blog post. <laughs> <laughs> pat yourself on the back. Yeah, Figure for anything. You pat yourself on the back. Any successes, celebrate your successes, no matter how small, because those will snowball, and they'll create bigger successes. Yeah, and don't let other people define you. I mean, it's so hard. I know it is, but you can't let people define you. You have to be stronger than that. No, nobody gets to have that power over you, even your loved ones. You know, you can love them and respect them, but... You define your value. Nobody else. And I think that's where we'll leave that. Yeah. So you have anything you want to close out with? No, I don't really think so. I just would say thank you for spending the time with us. And keep watching because we have amazing things coming. Pretty excited. All right. Till next time. Bye, ladies. Bye. I stay on page six. I'm even your favorite's favorite. <laughs> you better, better tell them who's the boss.